Welcome to season three of the Good Life Review podcast. I'm your host, Trelena Daniel. The Good Life Review is a literary magazine you can find at thegoodlifereview.com. And this podcast highlights the up and coming writers with incredible talent and expertise. They share their worldly insights, have brilliant writing recommendations, and are incredibly insightful to learn from. This season, I'm working with a team of editors to do various podcast episodes with different interviewers. We hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to reach out if you want to learn more about our lit magazine or want to learn more about our highlighted authors. Welcome to season three of the Good Life Review podcast. I am Chalena, the host of this podcast, and uh, we are excited to be bringing you the inner dialogue and inner workings of up and coming writers. Today we are interviewing Andrew Moss and Shyla Sheehan is our interviewer. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. Sure. Okay. Lovely. Lovely to be invited uh, and to spread my poetry as far as Nebraska. So just to give you a very quick introduction, I'm a writer and teacher from Goulburn, which is in New South Wales, Australia. Uh, And I've been in Australia for about 12 years. Um, Prior to that, I was born in Ghana. Uh, We moved from Ghana to the UK when I was two years old. And then after university, I traveled to Japan. I lived there for a couple of years. Then I returned to the UK um, and I completed a teaching degree and uh, I lived in London for a while. So I've been in a few different places. What inspired this piece? And um, if there's any special, um, you know, history or meaning for you behind it. Sure. Okay, thank you so much. So basically, the poem itself is is an imaginative recount, but it's really just based on the real life experience of myself during my childhood, listening to my mother, um, Comfort, that's her name, uh, speak tree. Uh, the Akan language of of Ghana, West Africa, speaking tree on the phone. Um, Now, given the context that I moved from Ghana at the age of two, um, whilst I was in Ghana, apparently I spoke tree, a a baby version of tree to my maternal um, grandmother. But in coming to uh, the UK, I lost the the language, um, essentially. Uh, But my analogy is, like a limb that was was lost or amputated almost and, and i had this this will to to still um almost scratch it i wanted it to be there so i was i think my senses were particularly alert um to the language itself and of course the culture that i so desperately um wanted so basically the poem really dives back into um that experience when did you first discover your love for writing? Um, when when did you realize that was going to be a part of your life? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, as a as a child, I was a voracious um, diary writer, um, and I would almost manipulate situations so that I could actually write about them afterwards, uh, rather than the other way around. Um, so. 
I kept a whole sort of stack of diaries, you know, daily. Uh, and I, I suppose from that, I I did have an instinct to uh, memorialise, uh, to preserve uh, memory. Uh, at that stage, as a child, it was factual uh, rather than um, imaginative. Uh, then at the age of about 15, I, uh, whilst I was at uh, upper school in the UK in a place called Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire, um, we'd been on a German exchange. So we'd basically gone over to a school in Germany for a couple of weeks to experience the culture and the language. And uh, I had some nascent uh, dreadlocks at that stage. And I think in the small town that we went to, I caused a little bit of a, a stir. Uh, so it was really empowering to write a school newspaper article about that experience and the reception I had uh, in, a, in a German kindergarten uh, where I was doing my work experience where the, the children there called me spaghetti hara, you know, so <laughs> spaghetti head, which uh, made me laugh. So I think that experience just showed me the the power, in a sense, um, of writing um, and reaching an audience and also uh, memorialising experience. A little bit later on, when I lived in London, I started writing, um, I guess, non-classroom-based poems. So poems, I think, that were exploring and trying to encapsulate some of my experiences of actually living in London. So having come from a quite I think monocultural um, place in the UK. When I moved to London, there were various intersections of, of class and, and race in inverted commas that I found very stimulating. And poetry, I think, gave me a way in to really, I think, explore uh, those experiences. Um, since then, I've obviously moved around a little bit, but I've found that through writing poetry, especially when I'm out of situ, so when I'm in a different country, let's say, or a different place from the experience, I just find that there's a, a distance in time, there's a diff distance in place that actually can sometimes help me imaginatively um, recount an experience um, rather than, I think, the immediacy that I might get um, if it was a factual account i think and and I, I think that adds to some some sort of symbolic layers that i try and um, put on as well there's a poem that i wrote called anansi transformations that has just been published by gmga so um are you familiar with anansi no so basically he's uh the akan the, the ghanaian um, trickster character who can metamorphosize, you know, from human to spider. And his stories basically survived the Middle Passage um, from West Africa across to the Caribbean and uh, to your wonderful part of the world. And uh, Anansi basically um, has taken on uh, post-colonially different sort of fusions, but essentially he is a symbol of, of uh, the trauma of enslavement, but also resilience. Now, for that poem, uh, I discovered that there is a um, Filipino uh, 
variation of, of Japanese tanka called tanka, so spelt T-A-N, then a G, and then the K-A, uh, invented by a gentleman called Danny Gallardo. Um, and I, and so basically the way it's structured, you have four or five stanzas. Um, each, each stanza or verse has five lines, and the word count goes from one word in the first line, then to two in the second, then three, then four, then five. But the second stanza would um, have that in reverse, so then it would be five, four, three, two, one. So I just thought that um, that was an interesting form and also a very appropriate form that mirrored Anansi's um, hybridity and it was it was a very exciting project. So that's one um, one uh, poem that I wrote fairly recently. Another poem that I'm very excited about is called um, Melanin Masked White. That will be published at the end of this month by Poor Yorick, which is uh, there in, based in the States. Now, this poem explores colorism, pigmentocracy, uh, and skin bleaching, and it does... Uh, refer to Franz Fanon and his incredible work, uh, Black Skin, White Mask, and also uh, reminds me of when I read some W.B. Du Bois uh, talking about double consciousness. Um, and I think in its modern interpretation, talking about avatars and masks in a, in a wider sense. So I'm uh, very excited about that. Um, and if you could bear with me, because a few things, as I say, have been happening. Just recently, I was absolutely thrilled to present at something called a forum called uh, Strong in the Broken Places, the Poetics of the African Diaspora. And this was a Zoom meeting, really, uh, where I got to exchange poems with writers from across the globe, so from India, the UK, Australia, and Jamaica. And this forum is the brainchild of a, an amazing writer called Dr. Marva McLean. She's based in Florida. Um, and I basically, the story is I submitted a, uh, a poem to her literary newsletter that's called Sound the Abeng, and it's the writing of black, Aboriginal and Indigenous lives. I'll drop some more names. A wonderful um, academic and writer called Emily Isabel Marshall, who actually happens to be, I think, an international authority um, on Anansi the Spider that I was talking about. Okay. Uh, so she lectures in post-coloniality over at uh, Leeds Beckett University. Anyway, she had written a poem called Undocumented, and she'd published it in Sound the Abeng. I'm aiming to publish my first poetry collection. So here comes a, an unashamed pitch. So basically, I've got a couple of ideas in mind. So one manuscript is called Outsider Here, as in here the place, um, Outsider Here, which means this doesn't really work for radio, which means, of course, listening. So Outsider Here, Outsider Here. And it's a collection of poems that explores my sense of belonging and alienation. Um, and obviously, as an Anglo-Ghanaian that's, that's lived in various locations, I'm trying to 
look into that experience of dislocation um, of migration and home, especially as a sort of imagined or remembered place. So that's one uh, possible idea. The other one that I was talking to you about, childish recollections, that's the the series of uh, poems that I've put together that explores my transition from childhood to adulthood, uh, moving from Ghana to the UK in 1977 when I was two years old and then leaving it goes up to the point where I left university in 1996. Um, Next up, Shyla asks our quintessential question, what does the good life mean to you? Okay. Now, um, I, love, I love the name of your, of your publication. Really, to me, it means striving to live in harmony uh, with our fellow humans, with our planet, with our ancestral spirits and I think an essential part of that is to embrace our plurality, our complex identities at the macro level, so at an international level, but absolutely at a very local micro level too. Um, And just recently, as part of my experience at the writing workshop that I mentioned uh, to do with decoloniality. We looked at a poem by Derek Walcott called Lost Empire. And in that poem, which I absolutely love, um, Derek Walcott takes us swiftly and stirringly from a broad, grandiose sweep of history to to the very intimate sort of minutiae of everyday life. So from our small places, um, I think Walcott teaches us to appreciate and really to venture fearlessly into the wider world, but very much so uh, while we should stay grounded and faithful to home. Next up, Andrew's going to read us his poetry, which you can find at thegoodlifereview.com along with his full bio. Andrew is a writer and a teacher who has lived in the UK, Japan, and currently Australia. Of Anglo-Ghanian heritage, his work seeks to explore and challenge liminal landscapes, complex identities, and the social constructs of race. Andrew is a member of the ACT Writers' Center. His work has previously appeared in Afropean, People in Harmony, Fly on the Wall Press, Fair Acre Press, Golden Walkman Magazine, Bellevue Books, GMGA Publishing, and Poor York Literary Journal. Tree phoneology. Mum on the phone speaking pure tree. I hear the ring of tongue-twisting conjuring. I listen in keenly to my quo ancestry. Greetings of Wohotisen from the kingdom of Ashanti. On her lips beam golden regal recognition. Mum on the phone speaking pure tree. Enunciating ancient graciousness. Mipa chao and mida si. Akan Africats blend and resound with nasal ring. I listen in keenly to my quo ancestry. Lips pursed, teeth and tongue twist in magical phonology, nasalized vowels blown like trumpets in rhythm. 
Mum on the phone speaking pure chui. The rises and falls of songbirds singing fanti, fantastic trills and taps, unknown digraphs flying. I listen in keenly to my Kuo ancestry. Thoughts and expressions of a homeland free. Abruptly, the line goes dead. A glottal stop to linguistic wondering. Mum on the phone spoke pure chui. I listened in keenly to my Kuo ancestry. Wow, that was absolutely beautiful. Um, Thank you. It's impressive as written word, but hearing you um, speak it is even more impactful. So thank you very much. Um, Thank you very much. Just a little footnote to that. The uh, some of the language that was included there, the phrase mepachao, I am fascinated by this phrase because it actually means please. But if you, I guess, pass it into its individual um, segments, it actually means I remove my hat to you, which I think is a beautiful phrase uh, that in itself shows a a concept, I think, of of graciousness. And then the other phrase mentioned there was madasi, which means I which means thank you, but literally, again, it has a wonderful meaning, and that is, I lay at your feet. If you want to read more, you can head to thegoodlifereview.com. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Review podcast. We are very excited to keep producing these podcasts and bringing you great stories from our current writers. A huge thank you to our editorial team that is mostly based out of Nebraska and almost entirely made up of writers from the flyover states, which is why we don't want your work to be overlooked. If you have a piece you'd like to submit, head on over to our submittable page, thegoodlifereview.submittable.com. Don't forget to like us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Good Life Review and on Twitter at The Good Life Lit Mag. Thank you for listening.